you uh, were up in East Galway during the week. Mm, so yeah. tell us what we're going to be listening to. Yeah, I um, took a little trip up to Gort to meet a man um, who had been out working. We'll hear that on the piece um, during the day in Derry Bryan, the famous Derry Bryan that we all know of. It's um, Fergal Monaghan is the man's name. He's the project manager for the Hen Harrier project. And people will be aware or might be aware, um, some more so than others in East Clare and South East Galway, of the Hen Harrier project. It's a conservation project that's been in place now for the last number of years, basically trying to facilitate the increase in the numbers of hen harriers that we can enjoy in our landscape here in North East Clare. Um, it's a national programme with kind of involvement by mainly um, the farmers of, of, of the Schlievochty Mountains. But you would hope as the scheme develops and evolves, and you might reference this in, in the interview, that it might become a broader um, community um, type um, initiative. Okay. Um, it's important uh, that it does actually. Would this be something akin to the white tailed sea eagle? Yeah, that, that's, the, the, that's the yeah exactly yeah. the same type of conservation type. Um, yeah, except the hen harrier has hasn't died out here officially. No, hasn't died out. He's under a lot of yes. pressure, and you'll hear yeah. that in the interview. Um, the interview took place in the Lady Gregory Hotel in Gort. Um, please excuse. We tried to find the quietest corner that we could. There might be a little bit of doors banging, a little bit of talk around the reception. Yeah. And um, we, call, we call it atmosphere. And I think there's a little bit of rustling at the start of it as well. So <laughs> we, we, we call that preparation. Well, right. We'll, we'll have a listen. This to is Fergie Monaghan from the um, Hen Harrier Project, the project manager of the Hen Harrier Project. Okay, I'm here today um, in the Lady Gregory Hotel in Gort and I've got a very interesting guest, um, Fergie Monaghan, project manager with the um, Hen Harrier Project, um, a project that's very familiar to a lot of people in um, North East Clare, South East Galway. Fergal, you're very welcome and thanks very much for agreeing to this interview. Thanks very much, Paul. It's a pleasure. Um, you've spent the morning out in Jerry Bryan. We're all looking up from the Countess Scarif, Mount Shannon side, Whitecats side, looking up at the windmills, the famous windmills in Jerry yeah. Bryan. Um, a key area as part of this project you've been involved in, you've been involved in now for the last four years. Yeah, I was uh, out this morning looking at uh, some improvements to uh, an access track that a, a group of farmers in a commonage in Derry Bryan had, uh, had done with the support of the project. Um, I suppose Derry Bryan is it's right in the centre of the Schlievochtys, which is one of, the, one of the biggest of the six SPAs that uh, the project operates in. So it's, uh, it, and that ex- to that extent, it's a, a really important part of, uh, of the hen harrier habitat in Ireland. Could you maybe outline what it is that the um, hen harrier is trying to achieve, the hen harrier project is trying to achieve? You're four years now, I think, at this stage, am I right to say, in existence or up and going. So what is it that the hen harrier well, project is trying to achieve? T- time is fine, it'll be, it'll be five years in, five uh, years. in April. Okay, uh, So um, no excuses now at this stage. Um, I suppose the hen harrier project, uh, it's about a lot more than just hen harriers. Uh, hen harriers were, were really useful because they're a, a specialist predator and they give us some indication of how well the whole ecosystem or, or landscape is functioning. But really what the Hen Harrier Project is about uh, trying to recognise and reward the, the whole range of what we call ecosystem services that farmers deliver. So that would include uh, hen harriers but it would also include other wildlife habitats, uh, water quality, uh, carbon storage and obviously there's certain uh, uh, cultural and, and social and uh, aesthetic uh, values attached to the, the landscape as well. The Schlevochtys here of which we're a part of 
Um, it's probably the, it's the biggest geographical area, but you have a lot more areas in the country as well. Um, yeah, the, the Hen Harrier Project operates in six uh, special protection areas that have been designated for, for breeding hen harriers. So we've two quite large ones. We've uh, the Schlievoctis and uh, another area in West Limerick and adjacent parts of North Cork and North Kerry. Uh, we've two kind of medium-sized ones in the Schlievefalem to Silver Mines area on the Limerick-Tipperary border and in the Schlievebloom Mountains uh, in Leishanophily. And then we've two quite small ones, Schlieb Bay in Monaghan and Mulliganish to Mushroomore, which is um, very just on the, the Cork to Killarney Road, if any, any of your listeners um, are familiar with that. So over the course of the, I suppose, what initiated or started the project? Was it the, the precipitous decline in the hen harrier population or who had been watching this? I know there was a study from 2005 in relation to numbers and things. Yeah, but... How did it... Origin. How did it start? The, I suppose the history of hen uh, uh, harrier conservation in Ireland is uh, is quite checkered. Uh, but I suppose the incentive, incentive for the for initiating a project like this was a combination of the the continued decline of the species, uh, but also uh, a recognition that the the existing system of recognizing or maybe not recognizing the farmer's role. Uh, in conservation uh, had to be updated. So it's a, it was a combination of the two. It was about uh, giving farmers recognition uh, and support uh, and, and also trying to address the, the problems that hen harriers faced. So where are you now, as, a, as you're almost five years into it, vis-a-vis pears, um, vis-a-vis fledglings? Um, how do you feel the project has gone to date? Uh, broadly speaking, we're, uh, we're quite happy. Uh, we've as I said, we operate in six SPAs. Uh, the northernmost one, Schlieb Bay, is a difficult one. It's a small area right on the border, and the numbers go up and down as, as birds move over and back across the border. The so it, it, it's protocol birds. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so it, it's quite difficult to draw conclusions out of Schlieb Bay. But uh, in the other SPAs, uh, the population has gone up uh, very dramatically in two of them in uh, the large the largest population in west limerick and north kerry uh i think we had 27 pairs when we started and we're at 34 pairs now so we're, we're, we're very happy with that uh the small spa in west cork uh, the numbers have doubled from two to four so again we're we're very happy with that numbers are kind of holding steady in sleeve blooms and and uh sleeve phalem to silver mines and in the Schlievoctis, uh, we had a, a very significant decline from 2005. Population fell from about, from about 27 pairs down to 6 pairs. So it probably reached its lowest level uh, last year, uh, and we've had a slight increase this year. So we're hopeful that um, uh, that, that uh, increase will be, be sustained um, as we move into the summer of 22. Would you have been able to identify any reasons specific to the Slovakians that might have created that massive decline in those years, and that you maybe now possibly arrested or maybe helped to yeah, stem that tide? Yeah, I would wouldn't say arrested. <laughs> um, look, the single most dominant factor in the Slovakians has been the fragmentation of the landscape by conifer plantations. Yeah, uh, and that's had. Um, you know, the conifer plantations uh, obviously take up a certain amount of land that was formerly habitat. 
And, you know, at certain stages in their life cycle, uh, the plantations may be of some use to hen harriers, but probably the big impact of them has been the associated increase in predators like pine marten and foxes. Mm. And because, you know, the forestry that we see in the Schlevoptes, it's not all in one corner, it's scattered evenly mm. throughout the, the octis, that um, even the, you know, the, the remaining areas of farmland and, and bog and heath are in almost every case very close to forestry yeah and uh so we, the birds have suffered um a, a very high nest failure rate uh because of um of predation um, and that's that's the single biggest threat to them there's a lovely picture in one of your reports actually that's available online and just published there in december that's from an area close to ourselves down in in, in, in northeast clare and it's looking down over the jerry Goolan. Um, looking down to Loch Derg, yeah. over the kind of the bog and the mountain mm. of Derry Gould, and it's a stunning, and I would imagine it's a beautiful and excellent and top-end habitat, but I know, as you say there, there is pretty much, it's not in the photograph, but it's pretty much surrounded in a lot of ways by forestry, and forestry very close Yeah, that, that. That's, that is a real issue. Um, I suppose uh, we did a study there recently about how much land in uh, the SPAs was more than 500 metres from a forest and the the answer is about three percent mm. um so uh th- there's really virtually nowhere uh in the schlevoctis that's remote from forestry now uh, so that that is an issue um i suppose to some extent of all if we had the same amount of forestry but all in one corner uh it w- the impact wouldn't have been as big yeah, I understand. um but look we're going to have to find ways of um so I, that's what I was going to get to in, in, in identifying that now as, as, as a threat or as, as, as a pressure on the, the hen harrier, are there ways then to try and um, get away from that or try and minimise that threat? Yeah, well, the, the, there's a number of things that, that could be done uh, and I, I'm mindful that uh, we're probably in the final stages of the lo- production of the long-awaited hen harrier threat response plan. But, you know, in my opinion, uh, there's things we could do. Uh, we could look at the, the forestry estate, see how um, it could be consolidated to um, to create bigger areas that are remote from forestry. Uh, and that, you know, might mean, you know, if you had a, a long kind of, you know, the shape of a forest plantation is really dictated by the, the shape of the land that was purchased to plant it mm. um, so you know there, there's probably room to, to consolidate and regularize the shape of, of plantations um, to increase the amount of land that's that's remote from forestry and also there's probably room to try and get a, a greater diversity in the age structure of the forest estate you know that we don't have to we don't have a situation where all of the trees are at the same stage of development that we have more of a, more of a mix. Would you expect, maybe you can see a lot of timber harvesting over the last number of years in, in the Schlevoctis, and you mentioned there a minute ago, at, at certain stages of a forest lifetime, it is more advantageous to the hen. Yeah. Would you think that clear felling and the replanting perhaps, is that helping or could you expect that might help these next number of years? Well, it, help the hen harrier a little more? That's a, a kind of a double-edged sword. Um, on the one hand, uh, the cleared forest and the replanting uh, for a number of years uh, probably will provide the hen harrier with a greater food supply. 
uh, and that that makes a big difference. Um, the downside is that uh, hen harriers that may be tempted to nest in that young forestry might be uh, more exposed to predators like pine marks and foxes. Yeah. So it's a, it's a kind of a twin-edged sword, yet very positive that the food supply will probably increase in those areas, um, tempered by a bit of concern about the, the predation risk uh, that, that goes along with that. So I suppose what you're really saying is that it, it's an overall integrated package when it comes to the hen harrier. There are a lot of factors, and like you say, some of them can even be double-edged swords. Yeah. So it's trying to kind of get the best out of what it is that your environment is at any given time. Yeah, well, I suppose what's interesting about the hen harrier is that it's a it's a specialist predator, so it's a good indicator of what's going on in the overall landscape. And I suppose this was one of the 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 weaknesses maybe with some of the agri environment schemes that we had in the past was that we we, we schemes like reps and AOS and glass just looked at the farm as a unit without really considering the context that the farm was in, the, the wider landscape that the farm was located in. So if we look, for example, at a bird like the hen harrier, it might be nesting on uh, your farm or it might be nesting in a forestry firebreak or it might be nesting on open mountain. And, and that's great, but it's hunting over hundreds and hundreds of hectares. Uh, and that land belongs to many, many farmers and to forest owners and, and other stakeholders in, in that landscape. So we have to consider the whole landscape uh, if we want to do something for hen harriers. So I suppose first we have to identify well, what are um, what are the issues in that landscape? Is it uh, predation risk? Is it wildfire risk? Is it disturbance? Is it lack of nesting habitat? Is it inadequate food supply for the hen harriers' prey? So we have to look at at the at at those constraints in the landscape and then see what can we do with individual farmers or with groups of farmers in a particular area to try and uh, address those issues. It sounds there like you're, you're touching on I suppose we've had almost a couple of generations of farm and none more so than the last generation where people even work off the farm it's become a very singular occupation and that you're not engaged maybe as much with your fellow farmers if you understand what I'm saying is what you're saying there we have to broader engagement as a collective, as farmers in an area when it comes to things like the hen harrier or the environment that we're farming in? Well, you know, I, I, would, uh, I would disagree that farmers aren't engaged with their neighbours, uh, but my experience would be that, uh, by and large, uh, they're, they're very engaged with their, with their neighbours. Okay. But I suppose what we have to try and do is try and harness uh, that local energy and, and and focus it on not on a on a, a one size fits all set of prescriptions from from Wexford or Kildare Street, but uh, on local issues. You know, to, to tailor a program to make it locally relevant to the the people in in those areas. How I suppose you're coming now to the end of your five years, or the five years for the Hen Harrier project. We're also, I suppose. Um, in this transition period with a new camp coming from Europe. How would you see some of the lessons, or would you see some of the lessons that you've learned as they pertain to the hen harrier? Would you see them um, in how it is that the cap will be administered in Ireland for the next number well, of years? As, as many of your listeners, I'm sure, are aware, the, the cap strategic plan was um, submitted by the government to the EU Commission uh, at the end of December. 
And uh, a central part of the of, of the CAP strategic plan is that uh, instead of you know what we had in the last CAP, where we had a, a national agri-environment scheme like GLOSS, and then sitting on top of it in certain areas, we had programs like the Hen Harrier Project or the Freshwater Pearl Mussel Project. So moving away from that kind of model, uh, the, the CAP strategic plan envisages a single uh, agri-environment climate measure, but one that contains two different streams. So one would be a, a cooperation project, which is where the, the department envisage about 20,000 farmers in eight different cooperation projects around the country. So the maps have still to be published uh, about where those areas are, but I think it's fair to say that they'd be, uh, they would include a lot of the, the designated land in the country. Um, they would also include areas of high nature value farmland and certain priority uh, river catchments. And I think within those cooperation projects, what I would see happening is that uh, there, would be, there would have to be an, an engagement with local stakeholders uh, and with uh, state bodies to determine what the local objectives are. So, you know, rather than just say that the objective for the Schlieve-Octis is the hen harrier, I think we've got to look at, well, what's the objective for flagment? What's the objective for, for the Scarif area? What's our objective for Woodford? Uh, what are our priorities? You know, is it hen harrier? Or is it water quality? Is it both? Are there other species we might Who be Who determines interested? those priorities then? Well, I think that's something that, uh, that'll have to, have to develop uh, next summer uh, and autumn, and it, it's a process that'll have to involve all of the stakeholders in, in that area. Um, so hope, you know, I look forward to hopefully having the opportunity to uh, to be part of that uh, myself. But uh, it, it's it's an exciting um, prospect. It's a fundamental change, really, isn't it? In in, in how if it goes down that road, yeah. it's a fundamental yeah. change in how we've it's a, it's a, it's a, with the department, if you want to call it. Yeah, that. well, it's a, I think it's a potentially a, a redefining of the the relationship between the department and the farmer. Um, you know, it's a move away from the, the one-size-fits-all yeah. uh, set of rules to uh, to try and create something that's locally relevant. So, you know, if we could identify what our priorities are and then move forward from that to see, well, what are the implications of that? And how does that affect the way a programme is run in that area? Does it mean that, um, you know, that the, the, the training that farmer receives um, changes? Uh, I would think that's... Uh, that would definitely be the case but it might also be uh, you know go beyond training to the, the kind of supports uh, that would be available to farmers and uh, the coordination of um, actions by, by groups of farmers uh, towards a common goal well, it's interesting when you say that now just as you're talking and you mentioned the word cooperative or cooperation a couple of times there but it's almost like full circle back to Horace Plunkett and the cooperative movement from 130, 140, 150 years ago at this stage. Would you see it in those kind of terms? Yeah, well, I see it. Or possibly. Yeah, well, I see it as um, uh, I see it has been very desirable to have programs that are locally relevant and that recognise farmers for the the whole range of um, services that they're delivering. You know, services to support um, uh, biodiversity, to support. Uh, um, support a more resilient uh, landscape and uh, support rural communities uh, and they should be um, tailored 
for the the priorities in that area, but also you know the constraints and other characteristics um, of of, the, of uh, that farming community. Yeah, well, there's another phrase you mentioned: um, high nature value farming. Um, is it possible to is, is it possible to define that, or is it is 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 it, is it a subjective um, concept? Well, I suppose if if we um, I suppose if we look at the opposite, what's not high nature value farmland? If we, if we look at areas where hedges have been removed and where we've mm. uh, just got uh, perennial ryegrass swards that receive large quantities of fertilizer, of fertilizers, yeah. uh, where every stream has been uh, uh, runs through a, a completely straight channel where every wetland has been drained, that's not high nature value farmland. Right. It, may, it may well be conventionally productive farmland. Uh, and that has a value of itself but high nature value farmland is very typical of what we get all over uh, north and east Clare yeah. uh, yeah. where we have uh, a kind of a rolling hilly landscape with hedges and patches of scrub and bits of wetland and bogs and heaths um, all mixed in with, um, with grassland of varying quality and it's not mosaic uh, that's important and it's it's a pattern that's maintained by farmers and couldn't continue to exist without farming mm-hmm. uh, so th- that landscape supports uh, a very large part of our biodiversity and it's and it's dependent on the continuation of farming so you know in, in I think it's a common mistake to think that conservation and farming are somehow um, at odds conservation in many many cases is utterly dependent on farming Mm-hmm. And it's about uh, trying to redefine that that um, that relationship. Yeah. Very good. Um, Fergie, I want to thank you very much. You've given some fascinating insights um, on the both the Hen Harrier project and maybe a glimpse into the possibilities of the future as it um, applies to farming and as it applies to farming as part of our overall landscape. Um, again, on behalf of Scarf Bacon and Julia, thank you very very much for doing that. Thanks. Thank, thanks very much, Paul. Okay, Paul, very interesting interview there. Yeah, I enjoyed that interview, I have to say. I didn't realise there was as much background noise. We thought we found the quietest corner we could in the Lady Gregory there on Wednesday afternoon. There's a lot of activity activity going on. A lot of activity um, under under the COVID restrictions, I might add, as well. We were there, we had a little bit of lunch, and you could see all the masks and the the signing your name and the whole thing. Um, Yeah, it was a very interesting interview, and I think it gave kind of a a glimpse... um, potentially possibly into the future and how it is that we'll say pillar two cap funds may be distributed um you've got to bear in mind that the hen harrier project now have been in place as we said there in the interview for the five years they have a lot of groundwork done in the administration of an environmental scheme and as everybody knows now the the cap is very much veering towards environment and environmental issues from brussels um i suppose the phrases that really stuck in my mind from that interview with with fergal there in relation to what might replace perhaps the gloss or the hen harrier or any of these type of schemes or the reps that we knew in, 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 in the past. And it was the phrase locally relevant and a resilient landscape. And, and I think this can only happen with participation 
um, from a local level in designing and creating a scheme. And I thought that was quite exciting. I thought that was quite exciting. There's one little initiative he mentioned himself and their own Hen Harrier didn't come there in the interview. It, it came off um, off microphone. And that was, and it's, when you look around East Clare now, you can see it. When a lot of the forestry was planted here, maybe in the 40s and the 50s, you can see a lot of shelter belts around farms or maybe around boundaries of ditches where there might have been a few trees left over from the big, vast kind of forestry plantations. The man who was working on the forest brought home some kind of saplings and planted those as a shelter. You can see those kind of um, big, big kind of forestry trees along lines on fields or maybe around houses and things like that. They're, uh, they're again, a kind of a nightmare for predators, especially the grey crow when it comes to the... Um, when it comes to the the hen harrier, so um, a possible little initiative to maybe get rid of those. You know, they they need a felling license. Um, they're not easy to distribute and get rid of. They're not the best for firewood. But he was thinking about trying to create a scheme whereby you could get rid of those, have a market for them, replace them then with a native um, native type hedgerow, that type of thing. That's the level of kind of locally relevant um, initiatives that you might yeah, see in okay. the future for environmental All schemes. Right. A really good interview. Yeah, I enjoyed okay. that. Uh, good, 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 good stuff.